Hey, welcome back to the Board Drill Podcast. Like usual, my name is Kyle Bradburn. I'm your host for the night. Our co-host, Matt Dixon, decided to be a no-show. We're going to talk about why he sucks later. Um, but I'm really thrilled to have our first guest on the show, and that is Eric Lodge, who is the head coach at Berkeley High School. And I, I Coach, you got to help me with this. It's a place in South Carolina. How do I pronounce this? Yeah, Monk's Corner. Monk's Corner, and it's spelled uh, M-O-N-C-K-S? That's it, yeah. Monk's Corner, South Carolina. <laughs> um, so Coach Lodge is the former head coach at Seminole High School here in Florida. Um, he was also the D.C. there. He was 32-5 and five as a head coach. Looks like he was 72-11 and 11 overall. He was the 2020 AA state champion. So fantastic job by him. He's the first winner on this podcast because the two of us are not. Um, he was the 2020 Florida Dairy Farmers overall coach of the year um, in 8A. Uh, Seminole County All-Sport Coach of the Year, Seminole Athletic Con- Conference Coach of the Year for 2021-22, the FACA District 9 Coach of the Year for 2022. Um, and also, uh, from what we're told, won 18 games in a row to start his head coach career, which is fantastic. Um, basically, Coach, your your accolades are a, are a laundry list here. Fantastic job. Um, I got the pleasure of coaching against you twice. I lost both times, so you can definitely lord that over my head tonight. Um, but we had some fun, good battles. It, it, you know, and they were defensive battles. So if Matt they were. was on here, we can make fun of them. <laughs> I think we lost two games. We lost ten nothing and seven nothing. Yeah. Um. So I was kind of happy about the night, but also definitely got outdone by you that pitched two shutouts. So. Um, it's great to see you again. We're so excited to have you on. So tonight we're talking about the art of calling defense. And basically we're going to go through for our guests about how we build call sheets and game plan and all that stuff. And then talk a little bit about game night communication and those things. And no one um, better to do it with than someone who has uh, been a DC and a head coach in the state of Florida and now is a head coach in South Carolina and, uh, and just a fantastic guy that I, I love being around and talking football. So coach, Thanks again for popping on here. I'm sure our seven listeners will really enjoy this. Um, but hopefully when we build out a following, we'll get you back uh, so people can actually hear you talk about um, all the fantastic things you have. So uh, getting into it, Coach, we're going to get right into it. Not a whole lot of fat here, right into the meat. So game planning, how do, you, how do you approach game planning on the defensive side and what key elements do you prioritize in that game plan? You know, the biggest thing for us um, when we break it down and, and, and get into our game plan, for me as the coordinator, is to build a hit chart of what the other team is doing on offense. Um, you know, we're trying to chart their formations, the plays they run out of those formations, um, if there's any tip-offs with back alignment or receiver splits or um, you know, it, it could be, you know, even as simple as, you know, O-lineman splits. Um, we try to tag all those and, and make, you know, key distinctions um, on our hit chart so we get a, a good snapshot of what those guys are trying to do. Um, and then, you know, take a deeper dive into it, you know, depending on how much film we have, you know, what are they trying to do to different um, defenses? You know, maybe the film we have is them in playing an odd stack team, you know, maybe um, this team is playing a lot of cover three, you know, where we're more of a quarters team um, and just trying to, trying to see what relates to us. Um, you know, Hey, um, 
you know, are, the, are they doing this because it's quarters? Are they doing this because it's three? Are they doing this because they like this versus an even front and they like that versus an odd front? Or are they a team that they just, hey, this is what we run and we do what we do? Um, those are ten, tend to be some of the easier teams to game plan. Um, you know, but, uh, you, know, we, uh, you know, we try to get, you know, a whole snapshot of what they're trying to do first and foremost. Now, Coach, um, obviously I, I know the, the Florida's, you know, kind of seen a little better, but they're in South Carolina. Are you guys coming across like, you know, one week you could be doing five wide spread and the next week it's wing T and then the yeah. next week you're, you're spread again and then it's gun triple option? Like, what do you kind of see throughout the year right now? You know, we're, we're, we've seen kind of a gamut of, of things. You know, we've played triple teams. Um, we've played spread teams, 11 personnel. Um, you know, some 12 personnel, we, we saw a team getting the 22, um, you know, so we, we kind of ran, um, the whole gamut, you know, it was pretty similar to, to the offenses and types of offenses we saw, um, in central Florida, honestly, um, you know, it seemed like for the first four or five weeks, um, you know, we were getting plays that, that we had never seen all year. So <laughs> it was, you know, that, that was something that <clears throat> whenever you get teams doing that to, you know, it's just kind of fall back on your rules and, uh, you know, Hey, this is read your keys, fit in your gaps, you know, cover the guy you're supposed to cover, um, drop off your pass keys and, you know, do your job. So, um, but yeah, sorry, go ahead, go ahead, go ahead and finish. <laughs> That's it. You know, um, it, it it definitely makes it easier when they when they just kind of stick to their their plan and you know hey this is what they do but you know that's what makes it fun. Yeah, I you know it's funny that you said you know sometimes we got to go back and stick to our keys and do all that. We love as coaches to overcomplicate it, right? We we know a lot and we we spend our entire year studying this and we go to clinics and we do all this stuff and sometimes like you said it's as simple as it is like guys let's run base quarters so let's go out there and execute. Right. And um, so are you guys still, uh, are you still a four down quarters team? We're a four down quarters team. That's what we base out of. Um, we bring a, you know, a variety of five man pressures. We're playing single high coverage. Um, <clears throat> we, you know, we'll bring some six man pressures. We'll play some cover two on um, third and long. Um, and we'll jump into some odd stuff. Um, you know, whenever the, the, the time is right for it on, third really long or end of half end of game situations but we do our best to, to mix it up um and keep the uh keep the offense guessing no doubt absolutely um so you talked about breaking down and, and getting all those tendencies <clears throat> excuse me and uh creating that sheet and everything now when it comes to building your play sheet or your call sheet you know however you want to do it um how about taking us through that process of building your play sheet for for different game situations you know obviously we know we have our first and second down calls. Um, mm -hmm. you know, there's third down, there's sub package, there's goal line, there's backed up, there's, you, like you said, there's Hail Mary situation, there's all this stuff. So take us through, again, Coach, you don't have to go through all of those situations, but kind of how you generally build that play card and, and really how you structure it to be successful on a Friday night. Yeah, so, you know, when we, when we build that, we'll have all those situations um, kind of laid out on the play sheet. Um, and then we'll 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 get into it. You know, hey, what are our base down calls going to be? You know, what adjustments um, do we need to make that's specific to this team? Um, you know, hey, we don't need these calls because you know they're a spread team. You know, or 
there are this or there are that. Um, you know, and then we go from third and short, you know, hey, what are the things that they like to do on third and short and what do we need to be in? Um, you know, third and medium, we, we generally treat that like a base down. Um, that really um, kind of comes down to, you know, more just game feel. Um, you know, hey, they've done more of this or they've done more of that or just kind of the breakdown in general. This, this is what they like to do on, you know, third and medium. But really, the, the, the whole thing is open to them. Third and long, you know, um, you know, we just try to look at, you know, what, what pressures we like, what coverages we like mostly, um, you know, what are their protections, you know, what's going to put us in the best situation, um, you know, to be able to get home and, and give them, give their offense problems. And bring more than two guys, right? <laughs> yeah, that's right. We're not doing that. And no, we're not pulling a, a Hugh Freeze. So. Coach, I don't think I've ever sent less than four <laughs> in my career. And again, I, I'm not the, the shining gold standard for anyone, yeah. but I will tell you, I don't believe in bringing three or, or less. Uh, you know, three's three's probably my limit. So yeah, I saw that, and I was like, defensive coordinators everywhere cringed when that. When I, just, I don't. I don't understand how you drop nine and you got one-on-one coverage down the field. So that's that's the perplexing part more than anything. Coach is wild, but um, but it's Auburn, you know. So that's you know, I love making fun of Auburn. Uh, we got a guy in, in my office now that is a huge Auburn fan. So. We came in on Monday, and I just started giggling at him. He hasn't talked to me yet, um, so it's been a good week. So um, talking about those tendencies and everything you talked about, well, first off, going back to your play sheet, um, by the end of the night, are you anything like me where your play sheet is just a bunch of black markers scribbled over, things circled, rewritten, and all that stuff? How, how does that look by the end of a night? Yeah, you know, usually on defense, our, our play sheet um, and, and call sheet week to week, you know, it doesn't get real crazy. When we install, um, we, we try to cover all our bases and build a toolbox when we install our defense. You know, um, being based out of quarters, we're going to have two or three ways to play trips, two or three ways to play twins, two or three ways to play a single receiver, you know. And as, as we game plan and, and we go through it during the week, you know, we say, hey, you know, versus a single receiver, we want to play it this way. Um, versus, you know, twins, we want to play this coverage. Um, versus trips, we want to play this coverage. And it also depends on what we have um, as far as, like, our skill, our strength as, as a team. You know, all of our coverages are going to be sound. Our pressures are going to be sound. We're going to be sound in our run fits. Um, you know, I've been told before that you can be sound, you know, or you can be appropriate. You know, <laughs> we're always going to be sound. So, yeah. they're, you know, we'll pick the ones that are more appropriate. But everything that we do and that we put in our toolbox is going to be sound football. You know, we're going to have a gap and, you know, a guy for every gap. And uh, we're going to, you know, if we're playing zone, we're going to have two over three or three over two. We're going to have four over three. You know, uh, if we're playing man, everybody's going to have a man. So not going to have anybody running free down the field. But um, <laughs> you hope, you know, <laughs> that's right. You know, so like as we get through it and then we go through a game, um, you know, there's definitely adjustments that get made, you know, Hey, they're doing this now, or they're doing that. Um, we need to make sure that we cover this, you know, Hey, maybe we don't call this as much because of what they're doing, you know? Um, but there, there's definitely some omissions, some additions that get added in, you know, and then just general coaching points. Yeah. Coach, mine looks like Latin by the end of the night. 
people look at me and they're like, Coach, can I see your play your scorecard or not your scorecard, your uh your play call sheet? I've had dads come by and ask me, like, Coach, can I just see it? And I'm like, Yeah, here you go. And they're like, What happened to it? And I'm like, Me, I happened to it. I got so fired up and I'm writing all over and all that stuff. So so real quick backtracking, when you were a DC, uh not a head coach, were you in the box or were you on the field? And what did you prefer if you've done both? Yeah. Yeah, I was in the box for a couple of years as a DB coach um, earlier in my career, but, you know, I really preferred to be on the field. Um, you know, when we go to the bench, I feel like the communication there, um, you know, th- there's just things get lost on the headset. So I always like to be to be right there, be able to handle it and make sure that I knew that things got taken care of and, you know, everything was wrapped up, you know, pretty tight. So. We were blessed um, while we were at Seminole. I had a great guy in the box who I'd been with for for a number of years, and he saw things the way I saw it. So he was able to, you know, get me all the information I needed. So that was, you know, allowed me to be on the field, which was awesome. And that's super vital. And we're going to get to that later about communication with coaches. And, you know, I, I was on both sides of it. Um, but when I was in the box, which I was at Oviedo, um, having a guy down on the field, that like you said was a was a better coach and a better communicator and some other places later on in my career I felt like those guys weren't quite as good so then I had to be down on the field and move someone to the box and not a knock on those coaches but like you said like you almost need that coach that syncs up with you right Um, but I want everyone else not to sync up with me because it's not like you want a bunch of yes men I want people to challenge me but at the same time the guy who's doing play calling with me or signaling I need that dude to be like lockstep with me so Mm -hmm. makes a lot of sense um so when we get into like the heat of a game, you know, how do you leverage opponent tendencies and how do you kind of balance relying on them uh, with adapting to like unforeseen circumstances? Right. So like you feel like, you know, a tendency and maybe, you know, you got a great beat on it and you guys flits into it or anything like that. Or what happens when you feel like you got a good beat and they just do something completely off the wall? You know, how do yeah. you make those adjustments and how do you leverage those situations? You know, um, I. We go through and we know, you know, like when we build our call sheet, we we, we build that towards tendencies and, and what they do. So, um, you know, I feel like in games we've always kind of had that, like here we go. Um, but there's definitely, you know, so in the game, I might deviate more away from it and say, okay, well, this is what I think is going to happen, you know. Um, you know, one example, we're playing um, – we're playing Dr. Phillips in 2019, I want to say, 2018. And, you know, they're, they're a look team. You know, really, you know, defensively, I mean, mostly the way I want to call it, you know, anybody could call it, you, you know, are we going to play base defense here? Are we going to bring a pressure? Are we going to play coverage on third down? Are we going we gonna to send, send pressure at them and, and, and kind of make it happen fast? Um, you know, but, and then some of these look teams, you, you, there, there's kind of a gamesmanship that goes on and, um, you know, out of a series of three or four different series, they look us on third down, um, you know, so, Hey, they, they checked it. We were showing a pressure, right? So I'm backing off. We're playing coverage now. And, you know, it it ended up being good because they, they checked into a tunnel screen, you know, and, uh, we come, come out then. Uh, the next drive, you know, we're we're showing too high. We're playing cover two, you know. They they check, 
um, into something that, that kind of ends up progressing down the field, but they look us again. So now I'm like, Hey, okay. They see the coverage, right? Let's bring it. Right. So they're throwing drop back. We get home, get off the field, you know, and then, uh, either the next series or the series after that, um, they look us again, we're showing clear pressure, you know, they catch us stemming and, uh, you know, then I'm like, you know what, let's just leave it on see what they do, (laughs) you know? And, uh, Hey, it worked. So. (laughs) Yeah. I tell the story a lot, um, with Matt and I think I've already told it on this podcast of us just getting scorched by Mandarin and Carson Beck. Yeah. When they did a bunch of check with me, and I did a really poor job of playing that game like you're talking about, but I spent the entire offseason, um, and shocker where I ended up, I ended up at Alabama. Why did that just do that? That's weird. It gives like a thumbs up on there. Um, but I ended up at Alabama, and I was like, well, what do you guys do in this situation? Like, well, you can always check from blitz to coverage. You're like, but we love just to check the blitz to the other side. And I was <laughs> like, tell me more about that. Like, well, if you have it to like the open two receiver side, just check it to the tight end. And I was like, go on and um the following year we came back and did that a lot way more successful shocker yep. quarterback thinks it's coming from the left we come from the right he's not even paying attention because he's trying to eye the field and bang so it's it's a great example of that cat and mouse games and sometimes as a dc how you have to learn the hard way i have a billion stories of completely failing as a coach and um and that's why i think i've gone out and learned a lot of football because you know, you just don't want to feel like an idiot again. And I've, I've right. unfortunately been in that place a lot. So, you know, and a lot of it um, is just kind of knowing your opponent, you know? Yeah. Hey, do those guys know what they're looking at? You know, do, Correct. you know, have they, and does the quarterback know what he's looking at? You know, you, you mentioned Carson Beck. We played them in the first round of the playoffs in 2019. Is that his last game in high school? Yeah. Um, you know, we were fortunate to win that game. They won the state championship the year before. You should have blamed um, us, by the way. <laughs> but, uh, <laughs> I mean, the the thing that I was most impressed about with Carson Beck is because we spin all our coverage yeah. either right before the snap or on the snap, whether we're bringing pressure or we're playing our quarters. And he knew what to do with the ball every single time. You know, there, there was, that's he, right. He so, got rid of that ball quick. That's right. You know, Coach Ramsey – did a great job. You know, their, their past concepts weren't expansive, but they were appropriate. Whereas, you know, Hey, if, you know, and, and he just delivered the ball. Well, when, when they're in there, they're, you know, man free and they're bringing pressure. He threw it to the right person every single time. You know, that the guy that beats that coverage, you know, when we were in our quarters, he knew what to do with the ball. So, um, <laughs> yeah, you know, that just not- makes it a lot tougher. We had a lot of sacks that year. I don't think we sacked him once that whole night. He was, he was on it, and and you know I tell the story you should have played us because we blocked a field goal to win the game, and it bounced right back up into the holder's hands, and he jogged into the end zone. That's how we lost. Yeah, and um, it's one of those games I'll never forget. I'm like, we set up the block all year. We talked to the guy about you're the block guy, you're the scoop guy. The scoop guy doesn't go scoop, and I'm like, <laughs> there's where you can coach it perfect all week long, coach, and it doesn't matter. Yeah. I'll never forget that game. I I remember way more of the losses than I do the wins. I don't know if that's what that says about like my mental state of mind, or maybe I'm too negative, but uh, you know, I just always remember those. But. That's right. At the Let's, end of the day, you're dealing with humans. 
Yeah, so. no doubt. They're in their kids, man. They're that's right. Kids. <laughs> so let's get a little back to this. Um, kind of veered off, but we always do when I'm talking, uh, because that's what I do. So, um, when you find it most critical to stick to that pregame or that that play sheet that you've pulled up, or kind of just going off and and going into that gut feeling world, you know, we've we've all had that where we're like, look, the sheet says this, and you kind of briefly touched on it earlier but I got a feeling this is coming. So like, we're going to go do this. Like, when do you, you know, when do you feel like that's an appropriate time in the game? Or is it just like, right when I feel that I do it, coach? Yeah. You know, I, I've always trusted my gut. So um, all the analytics in the world, you know, that they haven't analyzed this game that's happening right now. So, you know, it, when I have a feeling, I, I I generally I generally trust it. You know, sometimes it comes back to bite you, but more often than not, you know it. You know it it ends up being the right thing. So, um, you know, and and at the end of the day, like I said, all of our calls and everything that we're gonna do is sound. You know, like now there's things that are more appropriate. You know, <laughs> and you talk about getting taught. You know, pretty tough lessons. My first spring game at Seminole. We're playing Lake Mary, and I'm bringing pressures, and they're throwing, they're throwing, you know, jailbreak screens. They're releasing the whole O line. We're bringing six, <laughs> and it's like, oh no, you know, <laughs> and uh, you know, so <clears throat> kind of learning those things and knowing your opponent, um, and when they like to do things, when they like to take shots, um, you know, sometimes you, you know, hey, my play, my call sheet doesn't say that I should play cover two here on first down, but we just turned the ball over, you know, and I think that they're just going to take a shot right here, you know? And uh, so, I mean, that we've done that and I've curtailed off of that call sheet, you know, (laughs) a handful of times. And uh, usually when we do it, it works out. Yeah. No, I tell the joke all the time. I will, I'll rip that call sheet to shreds real quick and I'll just, just go off the hip. Um, but I do love doing it. I think it's part of the fun of being a coach. I build those call sheets and I write all these tendencies. But, you know, the other thing I like to write on there is, um, you know, all the sub packages and the guys that should be going on and off the field. Uh, we ran a lot, not as much at, at Oviedo. When I got to Oakley, we had a lot mm-hmm. of athletes. We ran a lot yeah. of sub packages. I think we had five or six different sub packages on defense. And so I wanted to be really cognizant of what numbers should be running on on and off during that. So I did have that side that I probably looked at that more than I looked at anything else, Coach. So yep. I, I tell that joke all the time. Um, so let's kick over to, like, in-game communication. All right, so it's kind of a, a couple questions here. I'm just going to roll out to you and just let you go with it. So how do you manage communication? Um, let's start with when you were a DC on the defensive side during a game. And then after that, obviously you're a head coach now and you have to manage offense and defense. I'd like to hear the whole picture, but start from when you were a DC and then I want to hear you expand it to being a head coach now. Yeah. You know, as a, as a DC and, you know, we, we, we still do it the same way now, but um, you know, we all go to the bench. We're going to have our two monitors there. We're going to have our DBs on one side, um, kind of like shaped in a V. We're going to have our linebackers in the middle and our D line on one side. We'll have, you know, the end zone copy going for the D-line. We'll have the the wide shot going for the linebackers and, and the DBs, um, you know. And then the communication is going to start with me as a defensive coordinator. Um, <clears throat> and as I'm addressing one group or, or one set of things, 
the position coach should be right there with them. He's going over things that he needs to go over and things that he saw, you know, and, and really for me, it's, it's just making sure that we touched everything. Everything is copacetic and, and we're covering things the way we should cover them. We're, we're playing with good technique, um, fitting our gaps or reading our keys. You know, if we need to make adjustments, um, you know, making those in-game adjustments, um, you know, like I remember playing uh, mainland the year we won states in 2020 and they come out, they put James Randall, who's like four or five star receiver. We didn't even know who he was. He was a freshman at that point. They got him at running back. They shift out and empty and they put him like as a, like a wing tight end and uh, wearing our quarters. So what do they do? You know, they run everybody's favorite seven on seven play and they run them right up the middle. Um, you know, so like, yeah, we come to the sideline like, hey, look, when they do this, we're auto check in to this coverage, right? We're gonna play, we're gonna play single high. We're taking that away. They're not doing that anymore. Correct. And uh, you know, we're gonna make them beat us with something else. So, you know, that's what we did. And you know, as an offense, you should have an answer for the answer. Correct. <laughs> they the didn't have that. They didn't have that answer that night. So. <laughs> You know, their their little ace in the hole was, was cooked. But they, got it. they got one shot at it. They got it. But yeah. And they got it. They scored. You know. So So um, when you're um when you're on the sideline and you're calling, we talked about your, your box coach. What kind of communication does he give to you in between plays and before a play call? You know, so like that guy with the information that I wanted as a DC, I wanted to know the down and distance where the ball was. Um, he could give me the down and distance a little more clearly than me just having to go look over. Oh yeah. Um, cause generally I was, I was barking at people, um, <laughs> you know, talking. So I wanted, I wanted the down and distance in my ear. Um, you know, and then just, Hey, they're, they're getting into this personnel grouping. They're getting into that personnel grouping. Um, you know, they're moving this kid here. They're moving in there. You know, the, those, those things, um, you know, whether or not they were doing any special things. Um, there's teams, sometimes they flip alignment, you know, sometimes they, you know, just just key things that we needed to know. Sometimes people move receivers around, you know, just some of those like special tip-offs, um, you know, so I kind of knew what to expect and where to go, you know, on our call sheet and with our plan. Yeah, and I think this is an important thing. If you're a young coach, which, you know, again, the reason why we're doing this podcast is to just purely help coaches. We get nothing out of it. Um, but if you're a young coach that happens to be listening to this, it's a great point. You know how you can come up in this game and really learn? Go be the guy that's trusted by the DC and be that box coach. If you're the guy that's on it, that's able to tell him these things and then find some of those key things that, a, that an offense is doing or, or defense is doing and really tip that coach off, that goes a long way to learning the game and then to really getting the trust of your head coach or coordinator. So again, that's a really big thing. I started off as a box coach, just like you know, as a defensive backs guy. And that's where I, where I learned the game of football on Friday nights in the box, spotting those little things. And then I expanded my knowledge as a coach. Um, Cause obviously early on, I was a DBs guy. I knew all about coverage. I can't tell you anything about squeeze and spill or any of these other things. I had, <laughs> I had no idea what wrong arming is. I was like, what the yep. hell does that even mean? Like, what's yeah. wrong arm? Like, why I didn't care for six arm? years. <laughs> no, I, exactly. Right. And now, now it's like, that's the first and almost only thing I talk about is front seven stuff. People are like, when are you going to get coverage? I'm like, we'll get that. Don't worry about it. That's right. 
So it's super funny. All right, so now you're a head coach. You got to handle communication, not only on offense, not only on defense, but now special teams as well. So talk a little bit about how that communication is. And here's the big one that I want to hear just at some point in this. How do you communicate when you want to go for it on fourth down to your OC? So I never leave the sideline now. I'm always there. Um, I generally stay on the defensive uh, side of the ball on our on my headset, even though I can switch over. Are you still um, on the defense real quick? Sorry. Uh, I've taken the step back the last couple of years. Okay. Um, okay so you yeah, have so, dedicated OC and DC. Yeah, I do. Okay. Um, now, when I game plan, I'm gonna my game. I'm gonna game plan both sides of the ball with with both guys. Um, but you know, I'm more tied in throughout the week with the defense. Um, <clears throat> I haven't just completely left and just become the CEO yet, you know. <laughs> but uh, um, you know, I, I'm on that defensive side of the ball. Um, whenever they go, you know, I'm just talking to them, you know you know, hey, make sure we go over this, make sure we talk about this, I saw this, maybe we should make this adjustment and just kind of make it my suggestions. Um, the offense, you know, we have our game plan going in and I'm just kind of lingering around making sure that what's getting called is, yeah, hey, I like this. If there's something that we I want them to do, we'll do it. Um, so I'm always right there, you know, like if there's a fourth down I want to go for, say, hey, you know, we're going for it. But, you know, I've kind of, put on him hey you always need to have a call ready yeah you know yeah, whether it's fourth and 30 you know you <laughs> you need to have your call ready and then i'll say hey punt you know yeah um but you know that there there are times and i'm like hey you know let's do this let's do that um but you know i i try to let those guys call it um for the most part you know like i i, I said this earlier you know the defense you know, we used to joke that a magic eight ball could call the defense, you know, <laughs> you know it's like, okay, here we go. What are my base down calls? Right. Boom. Do I want to bring pressure? Or do I want to, you know, play base, you know, third down calls. Do I want to bring pressure? Or we want to play coverage, you know, and just, you know, kind of pick it from there. But, um, <clears throat> you know, just being able to communicate. Sometimes I'll, I'll walk over there real fast. Um, generally that's to get on a, a kid. Um, but you know, that, that having that trust with the coaches, um, knowing that they're going to handle that and they're going to, they're going to get everybody on the same page the way I would, um, you know, is, is paramount and something that you have to have if you're going to do it the way I'm doing it right now. Yeah. hundred percent. I, um, I was a head coach for one year. I tell the joke all the time. Um, I had 19 kids on the team during COVID. Um, it was an adventure. Uh, so I, I did call the defense, but outside the OC, and I would just kind of look at him and be like, you got four here, Coach. I'd tell him right where, right <laughs> when we crossed the 50, most of the time I was like, Coach, yep. you got four. You got four. Let's let's roll. Um, And, you know, we, we weren't very good. I'm not going to lie. I was one and nine as a head coach. It is what it is. You got to live with it. Um, But I was always kind of really, really I, – I never remember ever telling him what to do except one time we're on the one-yard line. He's dialing something up. I look over. I go, Coach, just – and sneak it and he looks at me and he goes what and i go sneak it now please and he calls it sneaks it scores a touchdown i looked down I was, oh, like, yeah. I was like man look most of the time i'm all right but this is a game we have a good shot to win sneak the dang ball like you know yeah. 
but it's one of some of the other some of the other games we just kind of got out of hand because you know when you got 19 kids you know there's a lot of 42 to 7 yeah. games I'm like look man we're down 42 to 7 i don't care throw a flea flicker on the goal line but just <laughs> right the dang ball um so that's fantastic stuff um so talk about halftime with your coordinators when you guys come in to make adjustments you know the teams in first of all um, talk about whether you guys go inside or out. You know, every place is different. I know when you're on the road, you probably don't have a place to go. But at home, do you are you able to go inside or out? And then how do you make those halftime adjustments with the coaches? Or, or how do you meet with them prior to them going to make their halftime adjustments? Yeah, you know, so when we, when we go to halftime, um, we're able to go in the locker room. We bring the iPads with us. Um, <clears throat> you know, as coaches, we, we kind of get together collectively to start. Um, you know, I make sure I touch base with the offense and the defense. Um, you know, we try to we try to get a quick, you know, snapshot of the things that they've done. You know, hey, are they doing what what our breakdown told us they were going to do? You know, what are some new plays? What are things that they're trying to do? Um, what have they run mostly here? Um, <clears throat> you know, are there adjustments that we haven't made already? You know, um, and you know, then it's just. Okay, now go get with your positions. You know, they get with their positions really quickly. They go over those things, and then we come together if there's any things that we need to tie up, um, you know, as a defense and then as an offense. Um, you know, but it, it, it's really just looking at the things that, that happened to us in the first half um, and making sure that we're sound and we're, we're doing things the right way, um, you know, and, and we've done the things that we have been coached um you know and and fixing the problems that we've seen absolutely and that, and I know that's such a a big part of the game is how you make those adjustments and sometimes like you said sometimes going well and you're like well guys like we don't really need to make a whole lot but we need to continue to play the way we've been playing so right. which is which is tough with high school kids cuz you can play one heck of a first half and all of a sudden you're like did we forget to play football in the second half like what right. happened because right. you know kids get they get satisfied at halftime and you know, their girlfriends in the stand and they're worried about what they're doing after the game or this or that. And you're just like, focus. Yeah. So <clears throat> sure. All right. So let's uh, talk about some, some player skill utilization and, and kind of what you do with that. We talked about it briefly earlier. You were designing strategies and all this stuff. So how do you highlight specific players on the defensive side of the ball to do the things that you want them to do? You know, and for instance, um, you know, you have a tremendous safety that can cover in blitz. How do you balance that out? You know, when you blitz them, send them in coverage, all stuff. Same thing with a linebacker, a D lineman. We've all coached great players. You probably a lot better ones than I have, but you know, you've come across some some stellar dudes at Seminole. I mean, just yep. dudes, dudes everywhere. So, how do you have that balance, and how do you get the right guys on the right path that you want them to get on in order for them to make plays? Yeah, you know, and in, in, in our defense and. Uh, we we know exactly what we want this player to look like. You know, we want our three techniques to be like this. You know, we yeah. want that guy to be big and stout and be able to handle double teams. Um, you know, our nose could be a little quicker guy. Um, but you know, and we know the skill set that we want. You know, within our within our defense. You know, and then it's just finding the best guy that fits that mold um, yeah. for us. Um, <clears throat> when we install our things. Um, you know, like I said, it's, we're, we're trying to build a toolbox. So we're going to put all those concepts in, um, now 
you know what? Our first year at Seminole, we had three true linebackers, you know, so we're not playing we're not playing many to trips as much. We're gonna play more of our overlap defense. Um, you know, to to help that guy out so he's not out there covering like like he's a nickel corner. Um <clears throat> you know, my last couple of years there, our our Sam linebacker, you know, our nickel, um, you know, he's not he wasn't much of a linebacker. He was more like a safety yeah. nickel type kid, you know, so we're not playing those coverages. We're playing more nickel type things. Um and and it and really just it's just calling it, you know, and like, hey, okay, we want to do this more because of these are our, our best guys. But, you know, having an idea of what you what your players need to need to be um in your system. Um you know, and, and that'll that'll help you, you know, find those guys. You know, I mean, really though, you know, your your systems at the end of the day, you still got to be sound, you know, yeah, um, you know, you got to have a body in each gap. So, you know, whether you're a four, two, five, whether, whether you're a three, four, whether you're a three, three stack, you know, all I know is uh, in our run fits, it better be us, them, us, them, us, them, us, them all the way across the board. And if it's not, we're in big trouble, you know? <laughs> Um, I use you know, the term it, gap sound quite a bit when I talk about football. Uh, that's right. That's me. right. Got to be gap sound, man. Gap sound. And, uh, that's right. You know, and if we're not gap sound on a play because we fit it wrong, you know what? Hopefully they're not good enough to find the hole. So, um, but, but coach, they always are. I, I tell people this all the time. <laughs> you can on deep. This is how defense is different than offense. And I'll go to my grave thing in this on offense. Every guy can screw up except for one, and they can throw a touchdown or score a touchdown. On defense, I feel like if one guy screws up, it goes for a touchdown. It's it's unreal how that works. And I look at kids That's all the time. Defense is hard. That's right. It's much harder than going on offense. So we 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 kind of raise our kids with this mentality on defense, and I say, you know, you guys got to be cut from a different cloth. You know, if 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 you play sixty plays in a game, right, on defense. We could have 55 perfect plays where all 11 guys do what they're supposed to do. We have five plays where, you know what, one kid messes up and we give up 35 Which, points that and night. And 35-20. Right. <laughs> and everybody, everybody thinks we're awful. We stink on defense. Yeah. Right? Whereas on offense, you know what, we could have five plays where one kid is amazing right? The place stinks. Yep. Everybody messed it up, but we got the ball out here to this kid and they just can't touch him, <laughs> right? We score 35. We got the greatest offense in the world, you know? The OC's getting a, a promotion <laughs> and you're getting fired. Yeah, that that's is. That's right, you know, that's so. all to a T. And that's um, right. That's why I love coaching defense because it's hard. Um, yeah. Not, the coaching offense isn't hard. I know at some point, some offense guys are like, well, you said it's not coaching. It's all hard. Winning football games is hard. It's the hard, I don't care what level you're at. I'm so tired of listening to college football and high school and in good high school programs and even pro programs like, well, they should win that game. I'm like, guys, winning every game is hard. I don't care who you are. I don't care what level you're at. Winning consistently is hard. There's right. so much more that goes into programs than the average Joe on Twitter ever knows. And right, and that's always the guy. It's like, well, they suck. They play nobody. I'm like, all right, well, you know, they're undefeated. 
if you can't tell who I'm referencing right now, but I'm like, they're undefeated, so maybe don't cry about it. But, <laughs> you know, it's a, it's such a cool thing. And, and you, we talked about players. Same thing of, of building things. We had this, um, when I was at Oakleaf, I had the most gorgeous safety body I think I've ever had. And he played our, our week safety. He's six, two and a half, 210 pounds, was long and could run. Yeah, some um, pretty ones for sure. Great kid too. He was like a 4.0 student. He's gorgeous. All right. And um, and so we had some sets where we just called a blitz, but he just walked down. We had him walk down the line of scrimmage and line up like he was a dang D lineman. And we'd either have him come off the edge or, you know, that hard front step and he would spike inside. And he was an electric rusher to the point when we put in our cheetah package and we had our best four down linemen, he was one of the cheetahs. He was the D end in it. And he'd get a wide nine and just cut it loose. And I tell people all the time, like, look, sometimes one of your better DBs could also be one of your better pass rushers. You better blitz. Yep. And I'm the king of blitzing corners. I think I've run a corner blitz over 100 times as a DC easily, if not more. And so I tell people all the time, like, look, I want the athletic guy chasing the quarterback. And in high school, my will linebacker may be my worst player. So if I bring him all the time, is he really going to get a really good athletic quarterback? Probably right. not. <laughs> So it's always about putting your players in the right place, and, and I'm a big deal with that. All right, so, Coach, you've gone out, you've built a play sheet, you've called the perfect game, like I know you always do. You won the game 100 to nothing. You had a shutout. Um, or, you know, let's say, let's be more realistic. You went out, you had a really good game. Let's say you won 21 to 10. You know, so after the game, what do you go through? And I don't mean, like, literally right after the game, but how do you go through post-game analysis with your staff how do you go through all those adjustments and those things you want to teach kids? And then how do you present that to your kids when it's done? Yeah. You know, for me, um, you know, this is not the most popular thing in the world, but we we sit down as a staff and we watch the game right after we played it. So we pull it up on huddle. We'll have some food there, you know, and, and we'll watch it as a staff. And it's, that's a way for me to just kind of, you know, either gripe to my coaches or pat them on the back um, you know, and really get the game out of my system, you know, and <clears throat> there are so many things and intricacies um, that really need to get touched on. And it's, that's, a, that's my chance to sit down with my coaches and, and say, you know, and really pick their brain a little bit too on like how, you know, hey, you know, how did you coach that? You know, what, what's happening here? Why is he doing it like that? You know, is it being coached that way? Is he out here freestyling or? you know, whatever. Um, so, you know, we, we watch it together, you know, and, and I'll give my feedback to them and, you know, we'll just kind of, kind of do it, you know, after wins, there are a lot, you know, easier pills to swallow those (laughs) sessions than, uh, after losses. Um, but, um, that's how we do it. Um, on Sunday, um, the coordinators, they do, they do like a grade sheet, um, over the weekend that, which they'll, you know, they, they, uh, communicate that, that to the kids on Monday, on Sunday, we come together. Um, they give me three points of emphasis, um, that they want to work on. I give them my thoughts again, just one final time. And then before we move on, um, you know, completely, you know, Hey, I want to see the receivers working on this, this, and this, you know, and, uh, you know, they, they talk about what, their things were, you know, hey, I think the DBs, we need to get better at eye discipline. We need to get better at, you know, coming to balance on tackles and not lunging for tackles. You know, we need to get better at staying in phase on deep balls. 
you know, coach, completely agree, <laughs> you know. Yeah. Um, so, you know, that those are those are the th- ways we do it. Um, you know, and then, like I said, on Monday, they have time with their guys. And then, you know, they just they uh, communicate that to them. What do you guys uh, I'm going off script here a little bit. Do you guys meet every day with your players? Um, do you meet? you know, extended time on Monday and then like 20 minutes here and there on Tuesday, Wednesday. How do you guys yeah. meet? So we actually have a pretty unique schedule um, at Berkeley. Uh, we don't start school till 9.05. Oh, wow. um, we have a, a block period. We see the kids every single day in the morning. Um, so we see them from 9 to 10.30. Um, oh, so dream come true. Yeah, what we've done here is we started practicing in the morning time. So we practice from 7 to 10. Um, <clears throat> we're off the field as, you know, Wednesdays and Thursdays. Our practices are a little bit shorter. But on Mondays, we'll come in and we'll watch film of the game right after school real quick for an hour. You know, and the coaches have time. We'll, we'll address it all with them. They have times um, built into practice um, where they, like, meet with their position groups real fast. Um, <clears throat> in Indy, um, you know, so we uh, we watch film on Mondays. We'll lift Tuesdays and Wednesdays. Um, we watch film again in class on Wednesday. Thursday, um, we practice. We watch film again of the opponent we're getting ready to play. And Friday, we have a walkthrough and, and film in class. So we really have a... a we have it cut out for us. It's it's a pretty sweet schedule. I'm not gonna lie to you, so. Coach. Anyone listening is about to be like, "What?" The, I mean, that's especially in the state of Florida. You know that that's a dream come true, right there. Yeah. You know, here where I live, I live in St. Johns County now, so they do start later. So some of the teams do get to practice in the morning, and obviously, you know, we get in a you know early fall. Uh, there are some teams that do it because the wet bulb and all that stuff. That's right. You hope you get practice in, but. That's kind of a killer situation. So I've always wondered this. Um, <coughs> excuse me. When I was the uh, director of football operations at Mercer, we practiced in the morning. I was not a football coach at this point. Um, I did a lot of ops and recruiting, but I, I never really paid that much attention to practice and things like that. I was there, but I was doing operational things. Do you feel like practicing in the morning um, – do the kids adjust still well to playing at night? Is there a difference? Is there anything that you have to do to offset that? Or it's just like, look, the kids naturally are just going to adjust and go play ball. You know, to be honest with you, I didn't really feel um, like there was that big of a, you know, difference. You know, it wasn't, oh, man, I feel like we're just out here and we're just lethargic, you know. Um, you know, I never really got that feeling. So, um, you know, it maybe – with more of a sample size, um, you know, I would be able to tell, but, you know, yeah. I mean, I, I feel like our guys responded pretty well. You know, we've, the last two seasons, you know, at Berkeley, they're five and 17. We went six and six this year. So, you know, if so anything, I mean, they'd won five yeah. games over two seasons prior. Yeah. Yeah. So, um, you know, I feel like we did pretty well and, uh, you know, our kids are, we're on the right track. We just got to get a little older, a little bigger, yeah. a little stronger. So. <laughs> you know, but that's always something I've wondered about. Me and um, Coach Avery, who's the he's the OC here in town at Bowles, um, who's a good friend of mine. We um, 
actually came up with the idea of this podcast while carpooling to Oakleaf every day. And we would tell the joke, we're going to start a podcast one day. Here we are. He's still in the playoffs, so he hasn't been on yet. But we got a podcast. But we always talked about if we could create the perfect program. Like, look, we're going to live in a fantasy world. These are our types of kids. How do we create the perfect program around them? And we always talked about morning. And that was always like a thing we talked about. Well, morning practice, would it work? Does it, do kids adjust and all that? So when I asked that question, like, I am purely like, I'm just curious, coach. Yeah. You know, so I, I definitely got to check back in with you that um, after two years. And I, I'd love to hear it. You know, I'm like you. I, I don't think it'll be that big of a difference. But I'm just curious because just the curiosity of it, I, you know, really. Because yeah. yeah. I'm not coaching. So I'm over here acting like I'm about to run the team next year. I'm not. <laughs> Um, hopefully we'll be doing this podcast during season and we can pull guys in and do some cool things with that. But, um, for sure, you know, that's fantastic. All right, coach. So I'm going to end with one thing. We don't ever tell anyone this question, but I'm sure at some point they'll figure it out if anyone ever listens. Coach, what's the one thing your program does better than anyone else or just unique? And I'm going to, I'm going to tell you what mine was and it's, it's kind of a joke. Um, but I, I always like to start off to give you a second to think here. Coach, when I was a head coach, we never lost a knee pad. I think I'm the only head coach in the country that can say I was so organized we didn't lose a single knee pad. It helps when you have 19 kids. That's the key. But um, I want to ask every coach because I think if in all these podcasts, the only thing you took from every podcast was what's one cool thing that someone else is doing that you're not, then yeah. I think that's a win. So what's one cool thing that you guys do, unique thing, or you feel like you just do it the best? It's okay to brag a little here, but what are you doing that no one else is doing? And I'm definitely putting you on the spot, which is why yeah, I'm that's a tough one. to give you some time. Um, but we're going to ask that to everybody that comes on. So I'm just curious, top of your head, see if you can pull one for us. What's the best thing you guys do? You know, the thing that, that I think that we've been really, really good at and elite at as I've been a head coach um, is the ability, at least offensively, to be very specific to the team that we're playing. Um, our systems, you know, we, we've done a great job of, of, you know, like I said, the same thing with defense, just building a toolbox, right? And when you play Berkeley High School or you play, you know, when I was at Seminole, um, you had to have some real um, – skills to be able to look at yourself and understand okay hey we don't line up well to this type of formation right but generally people don't know that because (laughs) if they knew how to line up well to that formation they would do it you know um or you know these are the things that we don't do well and, and and we've done a very good job of like exploiting those and like i say our systems are built to be able to kind of attack you where you're weak um so you know, a, a story that I like to tell, when we were in the playoffs in 2020 and we won a state championship, we played DeLand High School in the first round of the playoffs, and they were good. You know, they uh, they had Avante Williams. You know, they, they, they had some dudes. And um, they didn't line up very well to 10 personnel, which is crazy to me, you know. Yeah. Yeah, they're an odd. odd front defense. Um, <clears throat> if you were in trips – they were going to spin down and bring it off the edge and, and basically have a, a four down front, but they were going to bring four. Um, they're going to stay in the quarters, but they're way deep. They're safeties. Yeah. And their outside backer was not going to walk out over number two. He was going to stay apex inside of three. So, oh, hey, when we want to throw the ball, 
we're getting into trips and yeah. just torch them through the air. Oddly enough, when we got into spread two by two, 10 personnel, they walked out that backer that came. And now you got a five zero five with two thirty backers and the linebackers, instead of apexing number two, they walked completely out over number two. So they were just very oh, wow. easy to block. So we just, we ran the ball on them, you know? So, I mean, it was very predictable, you know, um, in the second round, right? All the tight ends are pissed off at me because we're generally an 11, 12 personnel team. We, yes, we don't really get are, in. You guys yeah, are we, full of tight ends at Seminole. That's right. You know, we never really got into 10. We got into 10 and empty more this year at Berkeley, but, um, you know, the tight ends are pissed. You know, they're like, coach, what the hell? You know, we've been playing the whole year and now we're just, we're just not going to play in the playoffs. Um, <laughs> but Sandalwood, they're a, they play two man and you play, you're familiar with Sandalwood. They got yeah. athletes all over the place. Um, they had, uh, Brandon Jennings, um, who, I think he's still at UCF. I don't know. He's been, he he's kind there. of bounced around. Josh Sims was the quarterback. That's right. Um, and I'll never know his name, but number 12 was the wide receiver. And he wasn't the highly recruited one, but boy, could that kid burn, man. Oh my gosh. Yeah, we they had so a kid worried named, about him. I was like, they had a kid. 12. That's right. They had a kid, Jaden Kennedy, who's now, he went to Tulane. Was that the tall kid? The big wide receiver? He played corner. But they would put him in at oh, receiver yeah. and nope. could yep. fly. Yeah. I mean, the kid had like 12 interceptions. Yeah, I know what you're talking about. Um, they had another kid who was a four-star corner. But they're just in two-man the whole time. Yep. You know, so their mouths got to be watering. You know, Coach Coach Geis there is like, oh, my gosh, you know, 10 personnel. Yeah. Dead. You know, these guys he are dead in the water. He got YY all night, didn't he? Right. Yeah, we came out in the 12. We ran duo and we ran, I mean, we probably threw the ball, you know, twice, you know. So, you know, then you fast forward that to our third round opponent, Bartram Trail, who's very, who I also very sound. Well. <laughs> That's right. You know, but they're, they're coached up, you know. Oh, yeah. Um, Coach Sutherland, Sutherland, man. He's, That's he's right. just recently retired, but he had been yep. there since, since I was in high school and we yeah. played against him, you know, and yeah. I'm getting up there, so. A legend, you know, and I had a great opportunity to coach in a, the FACA All-Star game with him and learn from him. That was kind of the last thing he did in high school, and yeah. you know, I'm blessed for that. But, you know, just imagine them, you know, they're watching the two games they got. One, The first game, we're a 10 personnel team, right? The second game, we're a 12 personnel team. We hardly ever threw the ball. They're like, what do we you do? Know? And what it's do? like, what, what's going to happen? So... Yeah, no, that's um, you want to talk about self scout and being able to do that. A, that's being versatile, but B, that's a nightmare. If I'm a DC and I get that, I'm like, oh, here we go. Let's prepare for yeah. YY. Let's prepare prepare for ten personnel, all that stuff. So at least when when I had to play against you guys, I was ready for YY because that's almost exclusively you guys ran that that YY trips. You know the mm-hmm. tight end, the wing, and the wide receiver. And we were, you know, I was like, here we go. We know what we're gonna get. And we're going to have to stop that in boot action. And that's who we're going to stop. Yeah. Was old, uh, your boy, Timmy, who's at UCF now, he was the quarterback yeah. of the restaurant. Uh, so <laughs> fun, fun game um, till the end when we come to a point. Uh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, coach, I, that's really, you know, fantastic job. Thanks for coming on and talking about the art of uh, calling the defense with us. 
I know we went through all this stuff. I'd love to have you back on at some point and get in depth sure. the X's and O's. We haven't quite hit that, that stride of the podcast yet. Um, cause I'm still figuring out how we're going to do a whiteboard. And so yeah. if you're listening and you're like, Kyle, I just want to hear you talk about X's and O's. I promise we're getting there because it's all I care about. And all of my friends will tell you that. So coach, let's definitely get you back on. We'll talk coverages. You and me can probably go for three hours on coverages. Uh, probably just for sure. alone. We can go for three hours on, <laughs> yeah. um, but we'll do it all. Uh, I appreciate everything. I appreciate you coming on coach coach, by the way, for you guys listening, coach came on with like two days notice. Um, we had just started this podcast. He was the first guy I reached out to. And I was like, these coaches are going to be like, I don't want to be on your crappy podcast. So I'm super appreciative for you being the first. Love it. Um, yeah, we'll always look. You know, if this blows up, which it won't, but if it does and we get to like the Pat McAfee status, all right, you, you were the first guest ever. So awesome. Coach, thanks again so much. We appreciate your time and I hope you have a great night. And we will, uh, we'll talk to you soon and good luck there at Berkeley. Uh, we know that, you know, you're going to, in no time flat, those guys are going to be competing for state championships. Appreciate you. All right, coach. Thank you. Have a great night. You too.